I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. And if you're in no contact, focused on personal growth, my workbook series, The Knowledge, will help you make changes like you've never made before. Available now at AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're going to be talking about if you or your partner has been abandoned. Okay, Margaret, we talk a lot about attachment yes. in relationships yes. and breakups because it's the essence, right? Like all of attachment is going to be affected by uh, abandonment. By abandonment early in life. And, yeah. and the way that you were treated by your caregivers. Absolutely. It's directly correlated to how you act in your romantic relationships. Yes, so if you're really trying to figure out yourself and your ex, you got to look at the early childhood stuff. Yes. So this is a really good video because it's going to help you whether you were abandoned in your childhood, maybe a mom or a dad, or your partner. Or, your, or if your partner was abandoned. What I'm going to share with you today is a very generous description by a woman who shared with us just what it was like for her. And of course she came to looking at all this because several of her relationships had failed. Yeah. And she says, when I was a child, when I was asked about my dad, I said I didn't have one. And what exactly had happened to her was when she was very young, Dad was still involved, and she recalls meeting with him three times. And he would take her to his current girlfriend's mother's house, but he would spend some time with her there, and one time he took her out to eat. Mm -hmm. So this wonderful thing of Dad showing up happened three times. And then on the fourth time, Mother got her all dressed up to go with him, and he didn't show and he didn't call. And that's unfortunately a common occurrence in visitation situations. So what do you think she assumed? She assumed there must be something awful about her. Yes. Not only that, um, he was smart and he could pick it up in only three visits with her that there was something terribly wrong with her. And she of course assumed, as kids do, they blame themselves for everything, so she assumed it was whatever that flaw was about her that made him move on, okay? What she later learned was that he was all of 19 and suddenly found himself with a wife and a baby and he couldn't handle it. But that's her adult self. Yes. She said, you know, and my fear that my flaws must be serious and obvious just became a given to me. Um, how loved or unloved we feel as children deeply affects the formation of our self-esteem and self-acceptance. It shapes how we seek love and whether we feel part of life or more like an outsider. And of course she felt like an outsider. Other kids had intact families. Mm -hmm. um, why wouldn't it? Our caregivers respond to us, our caregivers response to us are the clearest and most consistent feedback we have as we develop our identity. Yeah. 
My dad, dad ran from his blinding fear and rage at finding himself stuck with a wife and child at 19. So like countless fatherless kids, I wore the tattoo of a defining abandonment that I believed my defects had caused. When the dream of love dissolves and we don't know who to blame, we usually secretly become our own prime suspect and that is ever so true. Over time, my pain calcified into the anxiety and shame of a kid who can't understand how they failed but believe they must have. Wow. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's striking, isn't it? It really is incredible how children just think that they're the fault of everything. That... Absolutely. Children blame themselves for everything. I talk to adults frequently who still think that somehow they're, they're the reason their family fell apart. Okay? That things had to be okay before they came along, you know? Um, but kids do. And although we know that intellectually, I don't know that we always respond to it. When somebody says, well, I only barely ever knew my father, I don't know that we immediately respond empathically to that. Mm -hmm. um, but it is important. Um, we are left with a conflict between wanting to love and be loved so much, but getting sidetracked and screwing it all up out of a deep unconscious fear of loss at the basis of so much of it. In other words, she learned very early on that if you attach to people, it's a risk. They can leave you at any time. And that is in fact true. And it's a chance we take, at least as adults, we take it at least consciously, saying that you know we know every time we get attached to somebody, there's some risk involved. They could disappear. But what a terrible way to start your life. Um, and of course, until she was able to talk about this and think about this, um, she kept messing up her relationships. Yes, that is one of the things that has kind of come up for us lately. Oh, yeah. Is that you got to get aware of it and you have to talk about it and deal with it. Right. You have to process it. Yeah. And if you don't, you're going to keep chasing after women or men that make you feel like your parent did that abandoned exactly. you. Exactly. Exactly. So I would be willing to bet you she found a couple of men who abandoned her since that's what she was used to. But once we become aware, the options are either we deal with issues, if we can find them, make them conscious enough for us to find, um, either we deal with them or we keep repeating them in a desperate effort to resolve it. Yep. Okay. So she might have hoped to get one of these men who abandoned her back, which somehow she thought unconsciously would fix the original abandonment, which of course it wouldn't. Yeah. She would have to process the anger and the grief and all of the emotions that went with the abandonment by her father. Yeah. Okay. What you said there is so important for people to understand. Okay. Okay. Say that again, because I really want people to understand this, because I really think this is why a lot of you are attracted to people that go, are, are not going to give you closeness, right. that are not going to really be there for you. And that's why you're drawn to them, you know, is, is the people that are going to disappear on you. Right. We're drawn to the familiar. Okay, that's what happens. But I, what I had a, I, I'm sorry, I had a woman that I did a coaching with this week that had told me, she's like, uh, you know, she was just chasing after this guy who was a terrible boyfriend. He had cheated. He had, they had met in one of the armed services, mm -hmm. I could say that. Mm -hmm. And while they were away, um, they were hooking up. 
for about six months. Now, the problem was, is that... Each of them separately was hooking up? Together, they were hooking oh, okay. up the, in, in this, where they were, yep. where they were stationed. Sure. He had a girlfriend back home, and she kept asking him, do you have a girlfriend, do you have a girlfriend? She knew it, she knew he had a girlfriend, and he lied and lied and lied for six months. And then finally, she, he came out with it. And all kinds of problems with this guy. He had a sex addiction. He has ad admitted to cheating on every woman he ever dated. Mm. Everything you could imagine that you would say, stay away from this man. So we start talking about our child, and she's done phenomenal work. She's watched every single one wow. of her videos. And she's like, and she, re you know, we're talking about it, and she's processing it and realizing this is what my father did. I am chasing this man. Wow. The ex it's the same chase it's that she had with chase. her father. She's just replaced her father with, with a different guy. With a boyfriend, right? Yep. And it's an attempt to resolve the original trauma of what happened with her dad, or at least to understand it. It's which is so unusual, isn't it? That we think that we can solve it's a trauma with somebody that else. That seems to be what our unconscious thinks. Like the, the woman I knew, and it's, yeah. a, it's a classic old story. Her father was alcoholic. She couldn't fix it for her father, not that that's a child's job. And she had married six alcoholics in a row. Bound she was going to fix one of them. Um, and, and she's probably taking only ones that are unfixable. Of course. You know what I mean? Of course. Not of course. the ones yeah. that have some potential. She's like, I don't like that guy. But we respond to what feels familiar, what feels like home, what we are trained to deal with, you know? So if your father was a narcissist... Yeah. yeah. If your mother was a narcissist... Right. What do you think you're going to be drawn to? Right. And you've got to process that and deal with it. Otherwise, you're going to keep going for the narcissist. The only good news there is we are drawn to people who are like our parents. I think that's a given. Uh, people challenge that periodically, like every 10 years or so, a whole lot. Um, but it is absolutely true. We are drawn to people who remind us of our parents. Mm -hmm. Sometimes of the good qualities of our parents That's right. as well. Yeah. Not just the negative The ones. good and the bad. The good and the bad. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but what I said was, in order to straighten out her constantly collapsing relationships, she probably need to do just what she's done, which is talk about what happened to her as a kid. Talk about what it did to her. Talk about her anger. Talk about her grief that dad never did come back. Once you've done that, then you can get somewhere near resolving it. Okay? But not until you become aware and talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, processing is so important. Yes, processing is so get important. Get with a local therapist. Yeah. Do a coaching with Margaret or myself yes. talking about it because yes. we're going to see things that you're not seeing, you know what I mean? We help, we want to give you those aha moments right. where, I mean, the one that I was talking about, she was like, I, hearing myself say this, and I had somebody say this today, they were just like, I, I'm hearing myself for the first time and realizing, why am I even concerned about this guy? Right, look how he's treated me, yeah. I just told you. And, yeah. and when she's like, I never really got it out like this, and she felt so much better. Oh, I'm so glad. I used to work with a guy who would put it this way. He'd say, thinking out loud helps you understand what you're thinking mm -hmm. better. And it is true. It's very simple. Thinking out loud is helpful. Mm -hmm. And then I hear, you know, particularly when it comes to a parent, and I'd say, well, you must be very sad about this. 
Are you angry about it too? Oh no, I've forgiven him. No, you can't forgive anybody until you've dealt with your anger first. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that a little bit further. And most people say, well, okay, if you say so. They seem to repress it. Yeah, but we're told not to be angry all of our lives. Um, and yet, anger is very necessary. It's, it protects us, you know? And it helps us do the work that we need to do. We did a really good video on anger yep. not that long not ago. Not that long ago. Go watch that one. Yeah, yeah. I think I was called it like an important video on anger. Yes, yes. Um, but anger is helpful, but that's it. You have to process it. And this is an age of everything that's instant. We don't think about processing anymore. Back in the day when I was initially trained, processing and a term called working through was used, which means you have to, how did they say? Acknowledge what happened to you, bear what happened to you, and then finally see it in perspective. Yeah. And that takes time. And, you know, a coping skill isn't going to make it go away. It will help you feel better and give you some space to work through it. But it's not going to change it. Yeah. Okay? And that's very important with trauma. Oh, extremely important. So I think this lady was quite um, generous. Anyway. Let me go on with her story. Of course, the self-sabotaging patterns are usually unconscious, meaning we don't understand why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. Um, they were formed before we had words to describe what was going on for us. Mm -hmm. That's why they can be so hard to identify and forestall when we are grown-ups. But she obviously took the time to figure it out. And usually it's not so obscure that you can't figure it out. You know, when you think of the best and the worst things that ever happened to you in your life, you're probably going to come up with it, all right? Um, in my case, I became ambivalent about intimacy as a child, losing confidence in myself as lovable. I longed for closeness with others, but felt afraid of being rejected again. I often kept to myself rather than reaching out to others, because there was less risk of humiliation that way. My unconscious tried hard to work out how to secure love, how to be better, and how to avoid any more abandonments along the way. Okay? Yeah. It's hard to know what you're looking for when you've never seen it or felt it. So if you've never felt loved in a way that made you feel secure, it's hard to know what you're looking for. Right? Yeah, I had a woman recently tell me, um, that the, the the guy she was dating or all the guys she's dated were terrible to her and she goes I thought that's what love was and that's absolutely true for some people yeah that they think being mis misused is somehow part of what you have to go through to be loved and that's not true no love should not never hurt um, you may repeatedly find yourself in an un on an unstable precipice of desire um, that you know is bound to collapse and hurt you at any moment Yet there again, there you are again, failing and wondering why. Not all parents realize that just being physically present isn't enough, although in her case it would have been a really good start. No matter what kind of a daddy was, if he showed up it would have helped. You wow. know? Um, love is essentially, I love this, love is essentially a form of focused and generous presence. Mm. I love that. Yeah, I like that. A special kind of authentic engagement. Love is the highest quality presence of heart, and it's a gift that builds self-esteem. When someone in your childhood consistently indicates that you are worthy and good enough 
just the way you are. This becomes a part of your reality as your sense of identity develops. That's why it's always important to say, I love you just the way you are. Mm -hmm. Warts and all, you can throw in if you like that line. You know, mm -hmm. with all your flaws and so forth. Mm -hmm. They're part of you and I love you with all your flaws. While being physically present as much as you're able is important for parenting, it isn't enough without emotional presence, engagement, and an interested connection. Yeah. Okay? And I hear about families who sit in silence and don't communicate with each other. Yeah. At least you're together, but it would be nice if you turned to the person next to you and said, gee, I really like you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay? And I thank this lady for writing this. I thought it was really cool. And I love the definition of love she has in here. Yeah. The highest quality presence of heart. So hopefully this one will really get you to think about maybe your situation, your life, what happened with your parents, right. or maybe in your ex's situation to understand, sure. uh, you know, how their life has impacted their ability to be close in a relationship or to love. And you can see that it really does have an incredibly powerful effect. And I'm just thinking how many times I've heard people say to me, well, dad wasn't in the picture. Mm -hmm. Um, he was in the picture of his child's mind's eye, always, and he's present in some way. Yeah. He's never a non-issue. And so many people are, you know, I lost my mother pretty early, then they'll go, wait a minute, you know, let's go back to that. It's always, always important. So I think my next response to somebody who tells me they were abandoned by a parent will be better than it would have been before I read this. Yeah. So I thank this lady. Okay. So. Hopefully you enjoyed the video. Put a like on there and subscribe to the channel. By the way, we are podcasted now. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify and all the major podcast platforms, whatever you enjoy. And of course, if you want to get our help personally, just go to my website, askcraig.net. Sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching and I do Skype. Margaret is also available for Skype coaching. You're welcome to sign up with me for Skype coaching. I can get you in relatively quickly still. Just so. click on Margaret on the top of the website to do that. But that's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And we will talk with you soon.